So it's a pleasure for me uh, for our local author series today to have Tara Schwartz. Uh, Tara, welcome. Thank you, Mike. So happy to be here. Well, it's great. Uh, when I started this local author series, uh, I, I didn't really think of Tara Schwartz as an author. <laughs> started this at the beginning of the year, yet here you are, I Can't Help Falling, Your Journey to Motherhood. I've got it right here. It's a fantastic book. I have to say that uh, usually I'm a slow reader and I, I binged read it, read it. I read it like overnight and it's all about, like I said, you're, you're becoming a first, a, you're a first time author and, uh, and about becoming a mom. Uh, what was it like becoming a first time author? Not a quick uh, journey, is it? Well, no, it's funny that you say that, Mike, you wouldn't have thought of me as an author. And I don't think I would have thought of me as an author. You know, I was a broadcast journalist for 20 years and we tend to write things in, you know, short two minute segments. We, we, we just don't write longer pieces. We're not newspaper reporters. So it was a really interesting exercise for me to write a book because I didn't even know if I had it inside of me. Now, now to skip right to the end, but not to ruin the story. What? Don't skip to right to the end. Well, I'm not going to ruin the story because people know the ending. It's a happy ending. Right. Uh, but we'll get to the beginning of the story shortly. But you have a, a beautiful 10-year-old son named Sam. You have a loyal husband named Enrico. And you have a cat. And I love cats. Coats Luke. <laughs> I have the Coats Luke Cats Committee. Uh, Milo. So this Milo. is Milo. We pronounce it Milo. Milo. Okay. So yeah. people should know when they read the book. There's a happy ending to all of this, even though it's very hard to read at some points. Yeah, no, and, and I, I'm always quick to say that not everybody who goes through the struggles that I went through has this has either a happy ending or the same kind of happy ending. I think everyone who struggles with infertility struggles with becoming a parent. You have to find your own road there. And sometimes your road is just accepting that it's not right for you or you don't feel like going through it or it's too difficult and that you just want to focus on your couple. And that is a perfectly happy ending as well. So it really just depends what becomes happy for you. But my happy ending, you know, fortunately ended up uh, including a beautiful baby boy. So Tara, when did you decide to actually write a book and publish it? So I didn't think of publishing a book when I started writing it. I started writing it when I got back from South Korea with my, my beautiful baby. And I just had so many things inside of me. I had heartbreak, I had sadness, I had joy, I had love, I had so many emotions and I kind of needed a place to put them. And I love words and I've always loved writing. So for me, it was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna write about this experience that we had from the very beginning. And at first I thought it was a bit of a, a, a love letter to my little boy that one day he'd be able to read it and learn how much he was wanted. Another part of me thought, you know, there were so many women going through this and, and I didn't know about a lot of books or, or articles that I could have read to see myself reflected. So I thought, well, maybe I'm gonna put my story down there. I wanted to write to, to have a place to put everything I was feeling. So it kind of just, I started writing and I kept writing and I kept writing and I kept writing. And then I realized that I had an ending, which is something I hadn't had for so many years going through what I was living. And, and finally I had an ending. So it sort of became in about a year and a half, sort of a raw manuscript. So in the book, Tara, you, ex you really make it very clear to the reader who may not be familiar with these things, the pain that a woman goes through when she miscarries and the worry that she's gonna miscarry again, the, the difficulty and the challenge for in vitro and, and then the challenge that adoption is not so easy. Can you touch on those three subjects? 
Yeah, I think it is so important for so many reasons for people to understand that when someone is going through infertility issues, when someone is having miscarriages, it is absolutely heartbreaking. There's there's no other way to describe what it is to live it. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to want a baby and not be able to have one. And I think that while people see their friends and their family going through it and they think, oh, that's too bad. You know, you had a miscarriage. I don't think they realize the depth of the pain. And I don't think they realize how long it takes to pass over. So part of writing the book was to help people understand that. And, you know, so many people have reached out to me after writing this book and and someone who had read it, who had never had miscarriages, but who had friends who had gone through it. She said, I wish that I had read this six years ago because I would have said more and I would have done more. So I think this, this awareness around understanding how hard it is, it will open up a much needed conversation for women who are going through it because we do suffer in silence. There is, there is a, a shame to it and an embarrassment to it that it, it's hard to talk about. And if people don't acknowledge your pain, don't say, look, I know this is really hard for you. And then you can say, yeah, thanks. And then it can open up the door and open up the window to more conversations. It's so critical. And I remember also when I was going through all this, there would be some people who would say, well, why don't you just adopt? Like it was the easiest thing in the world. You know, just adopt a child. It is so difficult and long and bureaucratic and you have to stay with it. Like it's, it's a long, long process and it's not easy. So I just wanted to bring awareness so that people could have a better understanding and more compassion for those of us going through it. Now, uh, in vitro in vitro is also it's expensive yeah and it's also it's it's no guarantee no yeah. guarantee and in your case that you you got lucky at one point and then it then there was a pain pain that came yeah. with it yeah i think it's you know for a portion of time for a period of time the government was paying for it that was not when i was going through it but it's it's difficult you know you can just imagine being highly stimulated for for many many weeks this is what happens because you have to stimulate your egg growth and then there's so much hope that carries through it and and so much praying and so much wanting and then you take a blood test and it might be like sorry not this time it didn't work we have to try again and it's just it's each time takes many months and it's it's very very difficult so that the up and then the down and the up and then the down it's it's emotionally, physically, and spiritually exhausting to go through in vitro. It really is. And for us, it just, um, it didn't work. So I have to say that uh, I, you know, I've worked with you for over two decades uh, with my job at the school board and my writing for the suburban and even Mm -hmm. as a city councillor in Cote St. Luke. And, you know, you were uh, a very well-known reporter, anchor at CTV News, and I, like many other people, probably didn't know during those seven years what you were going through. I'd like to know. I was talking to Tara Schwartz during those seven years. You were calling me with a smile on your face and meeting me in front of the school board for an interview. And, and we, how were you able to put your game face on and wake up every day and go do your job when you were going through such hardship with miscarriages in vitro and then the pain of trying to get a child and trying to adopt? It's an interesting question, Mike, and you're not alone, because like even after seeing me do a newscast, my father would call me and say, oh, I'm so glad you're feeling better. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I think it's a question of, you know, just car. car- compartmentalizing how you're feeling you know when you have a job to do you go and you get your job done you know I had a job where I had to be very um no emotions are allowed in what we do you know you have to editorialize you cannot editorialize rather you have to be very clear that your job is to tell people what's going on in the news and for them to make their own decisions about how they feel about it so I just I left everything 
outside of the door when I walked into the newsroom. And I just focused on what I had to get done. It was a very difficult period, but there was no place for my personal life, as is the case for many people in, in their job. And, and I just, I had a job to do and I loved my job. And it was a, a newsroom is a wonderful place to be when you want to be distracted because it's a very busy, demanding job. So I loved it for that, where I could just focus 100% on everything I needed to do and not have to think about what was going on in my life. Now, one of the things you, you showed in the book is that while you were going through all this difficulty, um, you seem to have even more compassion for people mm -hmm. when you went on certain stories who were who lost a child. It, yeah. There was something that it seemed like like maybe then everyone's got compassion and sorrow for these people, yeah. but it seemed to hit you more. And I, I, maybe and you, you and, and I, it looked like the parents could see it. They could see it from you, even though you weren't telling them your story. Is that the case? You know, anyone who knows me knows that I love to tell those strong human interest, super feely stories that have lots of emotion. You know, whenever we had newsroom stories, we'd be like, oh, that's one for Tara. You know, I loved yeah. doing those stories. Yeah. And so that was how I was able to bring some of these, so many of those stories into my book. Anything that sort of touched on loss or heartbreak or pain or sorrow, those were all the stories that I that I remembered and loved. And I felt like as I was going through my own challenges, at some point I say in the book that I, I never knew grief. I, I would be able to see it in other people. I was like, when you meet a mother who's lost her child or a father who's lost his son, you know, I saw grief on other people's faces, but I had never truly experienced grief myself. And it was only after I experienced it myself where I was able to look in the mirror and, and, and see the grief on my own face that I started to relate to people a little bit differently, especially those who were going through uh, the same kind of emotions. And I think to a certain degree, there is that reciprocity where you, you can see it in somebody else's eyes. So Tara, what advice do you give to someone who's watching our discussion right now, who's going through miscarriages? What, what could you tell them? You've been through it. You've been through the yeah. in vitro as well. And what, what would you tell them? I would tell them two things. I would say, first of all, don't give up hope. And don't judge yourself for feeling like you want to. Like there are gonna be days or weeks or months where you're gonna feel like it's just too much and you just wanna stop and give up and move on. And if that's truly how you feel, then 100% do that. But it's okay to feel like that and then get back up again. You know, I fell a lot. I fell a lot down into places where I was, you know, it was really dark, but I kept getting back up again. So it's okay to fall and keep getting back up. But if you want to become a parent, try to find every and any avenue that you can find to get there. So if adoption is something that you wanna consider, put your name on a list. I say this all the time, put your name on lists. There's only a certain number of countries that are open to get back at any given time. It costs nothing to put yourself on a list. And by the time they call you, your life might've changed very drastically and that might be not something you're interested in anymore, but just put your name on the list so that if they do call you at that moment and you're like, oh my God, what a life-saving phone call, it will be there. So that's my first piece of advice. I always wanted to have a child and adopt a child. The having one didn't work out and the adopted one came at exactly the perfect moment. The other piece of advice I would say is start talking about it. Try to help people who love you understand how hard it is. And whether that's telling them how you're feeling, being honest with your feelings, not being ashamed about what you're living. And I know that it's not easy, but they love you. So if you try to open that door, even give them a book, you know, if this is my book or any book or any documentation that helps them to understand 
it will help them understand and it will help open the door to conversation and it will help you be more supportive because it's, it's a lonely place to be, Mike. It, it was for me and I know it is for a lot of people. It's a really lonely road to walk. So moving forward, I would like to try to make that road less lonely. And I think by talking about it and helping people who love you understand what it is, that road will be less lonely and they'll be more supportive. A good segue into this next question is, I don't know Enrico, your husband, never met him. I feel like I do, but uh, it looks like you cannot do this without a, a partner. And he, it, to me, this read like the perfect marriage. Like what, I mean, if your marriage is going to be in trouble, when you're going through that for seven years, I mean, marriages don't last unless they're strong. And obviously you yeah. had tremendous support from him. Yeah, I, I think I want to say that you can do it. I'm sure any strong, you know, if you're strong and you can get through it, you know, if you want to do this alone, you can. Yeah. But it is definitely easier to have someone with you. And I think I've met couples now and they've emailed me. And I, I think there's there's a solidifying of a couple that happens when you go through this kind of stuff. And I think like, it's like you said, Mike, like it's either going to break you or it's going to make you. And if it makes you, you no longer sweat the small stuff, you know, like when you when you've been through the big stuff. Right. So, yeah, we have a beautiful marriage and I have a wonderful, wonderful man who, you know, I waited a long time for. We got into the, the marriage game and the baby making game late. And, uh, you know, that might have been one of the reasons why it was difficult. But, you know, we, women are having children later. Yeah. And, you know, most of the women who go to infertility clinics are women who are over a certain age. So it's um, it's something to consider. Yeah. So for our readers as well, and we, you know, when you came to Carlisle School, your old elementary school, <laughs> kids asked you about it. Why, uh, why did you go to South Korea to adopt a child? And because and, like it isn't so easy to adopt a child. And you had a false start. You had uh, a first well, child. Well, you don't want to give that away, Mike. Don't give that detail away. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay. But go ahead. Why did you go to South Korea? Okay. Same reason that I'm, that I tell with, that coincides with the advice that I'm giving people. I put my name on every single list that was available to be put on at that time. Mm -hmm. So it included China, you know, Thailand, South Korea, multiple different countries. Mm -hmm. And it was the very first phone call I got. And it came at a time when I really, yeah. really needed that phone call to come. So they called and they said, you're up next on the list. Is this something that you want to do? And, you know, we took a, a day or two to think about it. They don't give you much time. Yeah. And uh, we decided it was. And that started another gigantic road down a very unexpected pathway that ended up leading to my, uh, my baby. Now, I won't give away... Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if it was if perhaps my, my favorite part of the book. And to me, it started like reading like a lifetime movie. Uh, uh, so without giving everything away, uh, you, you didn't land in Korea and, 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 and get on plane the next day no. with a baby. This is a long process. Yeah, I think that's what, again, what people don't understand. That's why whole idea of like, oh, why don't you just adopt a baby? Like I said, like, it's yeah. just so difficult. Like you yeah. have to land yeah. in the, after years of paperwork, after years yeah. of, you know, waiting, you finally get there and then you have to go before a judge and then you have to wait again for documents to be translated. And then you have to go, they tell you to go home and come back, which I didn't do. For, you know, fortunately, um, since we hit many other bumps in the roads, but yeah, it's, it's a really, really long process. And that's why for me, when I finally got on that plane, leaving South Korea, it was like the, the, the most giant exhale I have ever had in my life where I thought, wow, you know, it's over like this process, this whole long journey of desperately wanting to become a mother is over like it, it it ended when i took off on that plane from south korea you know just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. 
getting me all uh, all well, emotional. Yeah, but it, uh, you know, uh, Tara, when uh, you know, one of the things I'll tell readers who get this book and they all should read this book, we're going to make sure there's a copy available at the Coatsy Luke Public Library, maybe more than one copy. Uh, but I got teary eyed myself when I started reading the epilogue, and and I felt like I had readers went through this journey with you from beginning to end and to see how happy you were. And now, you know, you have a beautiful 10 year old son who goes to the English Montreal school board, Bancroft <laughs> Elementary School. I remember Tara calling me when he was a baby and say, Mike, I know I'm calling yeah. Mr. But I got to talk to you about schools for my son. And I was so happy that you chose the EMSB. So tell us yeah. about Sam. Oh my goodness, Sam. He is, uh, he's, kind and funny and cuddly and uh, smart and, and, and very grounded in who he is. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what his story is. He knows how unique and beautiful his story is. And I think he's, uh, he's going to be a wonderful voice for, for anyone who might be themselves moving forward if they were adopted child I think uh, I think we all suffer from our things you know part of this book yeah. for me was giving people um, a place to see themselves reflected you know that my voice is one voice this is one book one story of so many women and men and couples that are going through that and it and that's why it was important for me to to be able to put something out there to have a voice to see themselves reflected I think it's so important and I, I'm hoping that it will spark uh, you know more more conversations about this so that we can change things moving forward for, for women and, and couples going through this. Okay. So my final question is, um, as a mom, mm -hmm. uh, you decided to leave uh, the news business, which doesn't have regular hours. You went to work in public relations at a firm, and then you ended up getting a, a very exciting job at the mm -hmm. MUHC as a head of marketing communications for the foundation. And we, it's great. We hear you on CJD every Sunday mm -hmm. on the radio show for the MUHC foundation. So you still dabble in your former media. Yeah. So was that a decision made as a mom? Yeah, it definitely was. I think anyone who has kids knows the transition from daycare into grade one is so enormous. And I had really difficult hours, you know, uh, news anchors work at night, started at, you know, 2, 2.30, finished at 12.30 in the morning. I was missing bedtime and dinner. And, and I had done the job for a really long time. You know, I had done it for a really long time. And I thought, you know what, I have to change now because he can't change. He's going to school now. This is his schedule. So I thought, you know what, maybe this is the, the perfect moment to, to try something new. You know, I had been doing it couple of decades. So I felt it was the right moment. And, you know, my colleagues were extremely supportive and I loved what I did, but I love what I do now. So I've had the opportunity to do many, many wonderful things. So he was definitely the reason. I don't know if I would have still been there had he not been here. I don't know, but, um, but it was changed for the good. Well, it's a terrific book. People can get it at the local bookstores on Amazon and very soon at the Coatsy Loop Public Library. So Tara, thank you very much and congratulations. Thank you so much, Mike. Tara Schwartz has been my guest.